Hello, my friend. Hello. What is up? You're Long my BFF. No I miss you. A virtual hug. Yeah, right. I'm in I quarantine. I, I didn't mean to stand up earlier and expose my pajama pants with, with my up top hey, outfit. We're, we're all doing <laughs> it. We're all working from home. We are. So so where where do we begin? There's going to be a lot that we're going to talk about here. And okay. um, I'm really looking forward to it. So I know we can dive pretty deep. And that's really what I like to do on the show. You know that. And then really just expose who is that person behind the mask and really get to know who that person is. Cause you've talked about it openly before a lot of times with social media and technology and all these platforms, right? A lot of people tend to just show the positive, show who they are and try to not rep, you know, discourage their brand or their business. And you recently just spoke about that and how with you exposing who you truly are has actually helped you tremendously. And so I think that'd be a good starting point and just kind of touch on that and how you started slowly stepping into who you actually were and started removing those masks slowly and how that correlated into your business. Yeah. Yeah. Great question. Great place to start. Um, So I do believe that the majority of the population is operating from what I call the false self. It's not really who you are because as a child, um, when you're shamed as a child, you, uh, if you, if you endure so much shame and there's, you know, levels to this, it's a spectrum depending on how shamed you were, which is essentially just how abused were you, how shamed were you, um, you will actually form as a small child, a, a false self to split away from the real self because children don't have the capacity to deal with that amount of shame. So they essentially, uh, reject themselves. You know, they, they say, I can't deal with my true self. My true self is way, way, way too shameful. So I'm going to create this false self and this false identity. That's actually a lot of what the Enneagram talks about. If you're familiar with that personality test, it's like one of nine personalities that you choose as a child to cope. Hmm. And I'm a type seven for the record, for those listening. Almost like an archetype structure. Yeah. yeah. It's like one of the oldest um, personality tests. It's very ancient. So I started to learn a lot about narcissism because of my family. I was I was searching for answers. I you know I knew that my parents were extremely fake, manipulative. I, I was like you know what's going on here, and I stumbled across the rabbit hole of narcissism, and that's where I learned a lot about shame and how this happens to children, where they create a false self in childhood to survive. The problem is, as they grow older, they never reconnect with the, the their true selves, and the more narcissistic you are. AKA the more wounded you are, the less likely you're ever going to face that childhood self and face that shame because it becomes mm. way, way, way too painful. I'm fortunate that through it all, um, I did, you know, maintain a sliver of my authentic self. And so as I got older, I started to tap into her, you know, I knew that I was depressed. I knew that I, I was sick. You know, I, I talked very openly. I had a lot of health problems, a lot of physical health problems, which is really a, a, a manifestation of an unhealthy mind in most cases. So, um, I started digging for answers, but I was, I was very lost and I found LinkedIn. I was running a business at the time. I was successful. You know, I I was making money. I had a, I had a successful media agency. Um, but I wasn't really aligned with who I truly was. I was, I was solely operating from that false self, right? That, that false self that I formed to protect Mm -hmm. me as a child that I believe most people in society are operating from actually. And so I really hit rock bottom. You know, that's, that's what I tell people. Like sometimes you have to hit rock bottom. Some people say, you know, I want change in my life, but I don't know. And this, that it's like, you haven't hit rock bottom yet. So for me, 
I hit a turning point. Um, I decided to open up to LinkedIn because I had just started this blog at the time about my depression and about my mental health struggles. And mm. I was scared. You know, a lot of people say like, oh, you're so brave. I'm like, I don't I never even really looked at it like I was being brave. I suppose I was, but I was really just so at my wits end. I was like crying for help. And when I first made that post about depression, it was like, the floodgates open. Like I suddenly realized like, wow, we really need to talk about this more. You know, I'm not alone. No one is shaming me for having this perspective, you know, or for, for opening up and being vulnerable. I had a, 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 a ton of in-mail from people saying, I've also struggled with mental health. We need to talk about this. And so that was about two years ago now. Since then, I have really gone down the path of healing hardcore. You know, I've attacked it head on and we, and you and I, I'm sure we'll get into the different modalities that I've tried on this call. But, you know, at the end of the day, this is what I found is, wow, the world is very fake. It sounds so simple, right? Everyone says it all the time. You know, mm -hmm. the world's fake. Celebrity Hollywood, it's fake. It's like, no, it really is. Like, we really need to start yeah. taking that so, so seriously. Like, we are living in a false reality. This world is a facade. And the coronavirus is actually helping to expose that to a lot of people. A lot of people are starting to question things. You know, like, is the news really accurate? Like, does the economy even work in the first place? You know, I love uh, the the potential for growth and elevating the mass consciousness in humanity mm -hmm. that's unfolding right now in spite of this tragic virus, which it is unfortunate that people have to die. So landing the plane, I would say that it came from me hitting rock bottom. It came from years of depression, years of being surrounded by narcissists. I had narcissistic business partners, a narcissistic boyfriend. That was all I could manifest coming from the household I came mm. from with narcissistic parents until I started to dismantle those wounds. So until you really face the truth of what went on in your childhood and start to reconnect and, and put the pieces together about how your parents were abusive and how you split from yourself as a child due to too much shame, um, you're really just going to attract partners, friendships, and people who are of that same vibration, who are just like your parents, you know? So, mm -hmm. um, I started to hit rock bottom with the people I was around. I was not treated well. I, I just started to search for answers and get brave, as, as many people would say. And that's when the floodgates opened. I've been on this healing journey, I would say, very intensely now for a little over a year. And I've just accelerated my growth in a way that like never before because I finally started to face my shame which is so hard for people to do and a big uh, catalyst for that and a, a big supporter for me getting to do that was actually opening up to my LinkedIn blog and saying, mm -hmm. Hey, I admit it. You know, I'm flawed. I'm depressed. What can I do? Um, once you take that step, you learn that a, you're not alone and B it's so liberating. You can start to dismantle it. Yeah. Well said. Do you, do you think that that light bulb moment or almost that reflection moment came from the responses from putting that stuff out there finally, or was there a deeper underlined more, you know, when you hit rock bottom, was there a deeper, more personal message that caused you to open up outwardly? Yeah. Um, that's a good question. You know, I would say that the, the LinkedIn was a huge part of it because I, it was twofold, you know, I not only got validated where I had a ton of people suddenly giving me attention, mm. you know, for better or for worse, I was getting attention, which is essentially what I've been seeking my whole life. You know, like I want to be famous. I want to be a musician. Okay. I want to be a successful businesswoman. I just wanted significance mm -hmm. and LinkedIn gave me that. 
Um, so it started to, to feed me, not necessarily in the healthiest way, but it, it at least started to give me something mm-hmm. other than what I had because all I had was a partner who hated me. I mean, he treated me horribly. Like we had no friends. He distanced me from everyone. I felt very stuck there. I felt very controlled there. I had business partners, but they weren't really my friends, you know? So I had nothing. As soon as I got attention from this blog, it was like, Oh my God, people love me. People want to hear from me. Like I'm just going to go all in. But the second part is that I got so many people messaging me saying that I was helping them. So that was really the main light bulb. Like I was a little bit fed by, you know, my own narcissism, my my own like need for attention. Like I'm going to keep doing this blog. I'm going to keep, you know, sharing and just, this is great. This is great. But the healthier aspect was, you know what? There's a lot of people that need this truth right now. Truth seekers are the healers of the world, you know, and that's all I was doing. All I was doing was sharing the truth and people loved me for it. So I decided, um, yeah, I'm going to continue doing this. There's, something more here. And, um, it was also, I will say Lee, it was like, it was, it was my own, you know, because Mm -hmm. the blog was mine. The page was mine. My business was shared. You know, I had partners, uh, I had investors. There was a lot of heads at the table. Um, I constantly felt out of control. You know, that whole last business just triggered all my learned helplessness from childhood. Uh, I didn't really feel like it was mine, you know? So as soon as I got this blog, like I was like, okay, this is mine, you know, like mm-hmm. I can build this, I can share whatever I want on here. Um, and that was a huge factor in keeping me motivated. And, and that segued into me leaving that business. I sold my shares. I ended up breaking up with my boyfriend. I started a new company all on my own. And for the first time, I'm completely independent, like single solopreneur, just mm-hmm. loving myself, loving spending time alone. I mean, that was a big uh, learning lesson for me, how to enjoy, enjoy myself and not run away from myself. Yeah. And yeah, it uh, it all came from LinkedIn. It really did. I, I love LinkedIn and I'm just so grateful that I found the platform when I did. Yeah, that's the that's the crazy thing about, you know, anxiety or depression, right? Is that we, you know, we have these narratives or thoughts in our heads and it and it causes us to run away and, and separate ourselves. And that's why, you know, looking back on my own mental health journey we've talked about is that like, you know, sometimes I feel like we we run so far and we don't that we don't stop. And then we finally look over our shoulder and we're like, wow, like I haven't like stopped running from whatever I was trying to avoid, you know? And I think that was the kind of the big wake up call for me because as to you, it was, it was a couple years ago. Um, and it, again, I hit rock bottom and I think you made a really good point to that. It's almost that you have to kind of hit that rock bottom moment to kind of say, you know what? Like, it, it can't get worse from here. Like I've got to make a change or else like, you know, my life is basically like deteriorating right in front of me physically, mentally, spiritually, um, in every aspect. Um, you can basically see your life dissolving right in front of you. It's almost kind of like your dad already, but just still in existence. And, and, and that can be a real, real thing to, for one, hard to articulate, right? Because a lot of people, right, could have seen you on the outside. Oh, she's successful. She's got a good business. She has a relationship, right? And so a lot of people were probably saying like, you know, the famous quote, what do you have to worry about? And somebody that are going through those things or that is going through those things, that can be one of the 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 biggest daggers to the heart, right? And it's because it's like you feel, you do almost feel alone. So it sounds like to me that that opening up on the platform exposed you not only to, like you said, love and that feeling of 
of fulfilling your own need for attention, but being able to see that, hey, like I'm not the only one experiencing similar feelings, right? And I, I think that's super important in terms of mental health um, yeah. and just connecting with other people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I want to dig into what you said in the beginning. You touched on like the anxiety and depression just being so normal for a lot of us. That's our programming from childhood. Mm-hmm. We, don't, we don't even know any better. We don't even know what love is, what freedom is. Like we're mm-hmm. just so used to this. That's also oftentimes the parasympathetic nervous system is fight or flight. Yes. I, yeah. So like my whole life I've been in fight or flight and I had no idea, you know, that's why I kept manifesting all of these autoimmune diseases, like my asthma, which I've talked about, which I've Mm -hmm. cured now, cured completely. I haven't used an inhaler in over three years. And what happens is when you don't feel safe and don't feel protected by the universe, by your parents, whatever, you know, just a deep feeling of not being safe, that parasympathetic is is always running, you know, it's it's as though you're you're constantly mm. running away from a tiger, but there's no tiger, you know, like everything's fine. That causes autoimmune disorders, you know, that causes your system to not work yeah. properly because you don't feel safe. And that's been a big, big revelation for me this past year is uh, tapping into that. Finally, like almost identifying the anxiety as the fight or flight, like, oh my gosh, like I am constantly on alert, like someone's going to hurt me. And that's where like, you know, the classic practices come in. Like, you know, people want to be all woo woo about meditation and whatnot, but like, that's really what it is. Like you have to go inward. You have to focus so hard for me. It's Mm -hmm. my solar plex. You know, I'll have like this rock in my solar plex where I'm like holding on to something so tightly. I'm like, what is that? You know, like, let that go. Like Mm. I can let that go. You can feel that. Like I'm in a house, you know, I got like, like there, there's not, well, (laughs) coronavirus, but you know what I'm saying? Like there's, there's nothing that could hurt me right now. So, um, I want a lot of people to be mindful of that, you know, How often are you actually operating from the fight or flight and your parasympathetic nervous system has never taken a break, like never in your life. We underestimate the power of humans to be able to run like that so unhealthily for years. Some people spend their whole life in the parasympathetic nervous system Mm -hmm. and they can still skate by as like, oh, that's just a normal, that's just Bob. Like he's got a job. He's got, it's like, no, you don't really know what people are dealing with underneath. So um, yeah, meditation has been a huge practice for me. Hmm. And I think you brought up a good point too. It's because um, that's kind of what steered me away, especially with yoga, right? Because it, it it became so like not woo woo, but became so like you know cool to do, right? And I think that's just another layer that's so easily to like trap yourself in. Is like, do you actually feel like what you're doing, right? Well, and so like and the modern the modern yoga and like Western culture has completely like it's not yoga. Yoga is all about the breath, all about the breath. And a lot of yoga classes, they've almost turned it into like a workout, which is still cool. Like it's still beneficial, but the true yogis, I mean, it's all about reconnecting to the breath and moving the body to match the breath. And I do think you can find some really quality studios out there that get to that level of depth. But yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying about Mm -hmm. like the woo-woo and yoga just became like a fad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think like anything, right. It can become another one of those traps, another one of those layers that we hide ourselves behind that we like on the surface or what we're telling ourselves is like, Oh, you know, I'm doing this and it's working and it's helping, but like really is it, it's like, how connected are you in that moment? How connected are you with really what you're doing? Um, to the point that like, you know, I used to feel like that, that way about working out, 
and it's almost like delusional because you're like, you're, you're so convinced that you're healthy and you're doing things right. And, but it becomes another one of those like operating systems that just run on autopilot. And then next thing you know, it just becomes a part of that, you know, programming, um, which is another interesting part that you mentioned because, you know, I was reading something the other day that the holistic psychologist had put out and she was just talking about, she had written it really well, but just basically from like one to six, you know, that's so important in our lives because we're basically learning to operate within society. And just, Mm -hmm. if we really look at, like you said, what this coronavirus has kind of done is it's put a pause on things because we see and are exposed to all these things that haven't been working. Our society, our culture, our education system, our businesses, all these things that we're almost setting ourselves up for failure because when we're born, we're, we're born with that pure consciousness. We're born with that pure essence. And we're basically like, you know, <laughs> layering it on top of that and just basically, and then when we become older, then we're having to undo everything. Yes. And so it, it becomes a race at, well, how old, you know, how young or how old can you be until you figure out, oh shit, I've got to pause and then undo all this that I've been doing for 20, 30, 40 years of my life. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love what you said about being born with a pure consciousness. It's so that, pure. It's so true. Yeah, you got a little little baby Sloan. Oh, man. You know all about, about yeah. it. Yeah, I, I, just, yeah. I stare at him constantly. Oh, <laughs> just so watch true. it. It's, it's, <laughs> it's mind-blowing. It's amazing, but it really is. It's the environment. So when you're, you're born into an environment that's so low vibration and everyone is operating mm-hmm. from a false self, nobody's really living in reality. It's all fake. Like you have to download that data to survive, you know, from age one to age seven and children. Also, a lot of people don't know this. Children are also in what's called theta. So children, yeah, yeah. children have theta brainwaves. It it, it makes them way more of a sponge. They're way more connected to source, you know, it's like being a hypnosis, right? Like you're basically kind of in a trance. There's a thing called hate theta healing, which I've done. I've taken, I've had two certifications on my board over here for it. Um, yeah, you, you essentially are connecting to source and, uh, downloading and removing old programming, through what many would refer to as God, essentially. I know a woman who cured her stage four uh, ovarian cancer from it, which is very deadly. Like she literally, no chemo, no meds, just theta healing. And it was gone. Yeah. Can you touch been, on that a little bit of kind of what the process looks like and what that in, in, entails surface level? Sure. Yes. Um, so essentially, you know, for those of you who are more advanced in the spiritual education sense, there's what is called seven planes of existence. And I'm not even, you know, the most savvy in this, you know, I'm, I'm still new to the spiritual world, world, so I'm learning. But essentially, when you do the Theta course, they teach you a meditation, a specific meditation where you're grounded in the earth and you connect and you go up through those seven planes of existence. So, I mean, like you're deep, deep in meditation. And the more you do it, the quicker you can tap into it. Mm-hmm. But you do want to learn this initial practice to get into the state of Theta. For those of you who are like want to understand like what is theta, what would that feel like? I'll give you an example. So adults are only in theta uh, very, very rarely, and it happens twice a day. It happens for a brief few moments as you wake up in the morning, and a brief few moments right before you fall asleep. You're in theta. Really? 
Yeah. So you're kind of in that in between. So it's a very hmm. trans like dream, like, like it's like med- meditating those who meditate deeply and have, you know, felt, yeah. Oh God, that, that feeling of just pure love, pure energy. That's you were likely in the theta. Hmm. Uh, so it's not uncommon, you know, you, you can tap into it. It's not hard, but uh, you go up through the seven planes of existence and then um, you're, open there i mean there's many once you actually get up there it's kind of dependent on what your goals are and what you're trying to do for example if you have a health problem like cancer you're probably going up to ask creator you know like what is this cancer why did i create this cancer within myself what am i trying to learn here and that's what these mm. healers will do like they seriously can you imagine taking 100 accountability for yeah. your own cancer that's what this woman yeah. did she did it she said i know i created this i know that i did this to either be a victim to, to teach myself something what what it, what is going on here and you start to do digging and digging and digging and creator when you're in this space will start to show you like oh well you know you felt shamed as a child you you know you felt unworthy of love. And then you start to clear these things by asking, you know, creator of all that is, it is requested that you pull out, cancel and delete any feelings, any lingering feelings of unworthiness in me. And you witness it, you know, like you can feel a shift go through your body. You can Mm. see that once you get really good, you can actually start to see the energy, read the energy on people. You can see it clear out. And then you have the option to download, like, you know, creator asking you instead to now download uh, an unshakable feeling of worthiness, of love, of acceptance for myself. Witness it. And then you usually say like, thank you. It is done. It is done. It is done. <laughs> I went into it there. Wow. But yeah, I mean, you could take a class on it. It's very powerful. The woman who founded it, um, I forget what she was uh, struggling with. She also, I don't think it was cancer, but she had a, a real serious health ailment as well. And um, yeah, she just started going deep into meditation, created this modality and it's really popular down here in South Florida in the spiritual community, mm-hmm. I've learned. And you can do it on yourself, but oftentimes you do it so that you can be a practitioner and do it on other people. So I could do it on you with your permission. You wouldn't even necessarily need to be in the theta. It helps. But I would essentially you know, ask you what you're struggling with, do some digging on you, and then do the work. Even though I'm here, I'm doing the energetic work on Lee. Like, you know, creators requested that we pull out cancel on Lee, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. So yeah, we're gonna have to do that. I just did one the other day that was similar, not the the exact theta, but yeah. a friend walked me through one the other day, and it was it was it was really nice. I, I enjoyed it yes. a lot. Yes, and that's and that's what I believe um, is we're returning to is you know we've been so left brain, we've been so science driven, we've been taught that we're separate from our bodies. Oh, when I'm sick, I'm gonna go to the doctor and get a pill to fix it. Like I'm not in control. I do believe we're returning to our power as humans, I believe that we're starting to remember, wait a minute, like we're magic. I know it sounds corny, but like, no, literally like we are magic. You know, people want to, you know, roll their eyes. Yes. People want to roll their eyes at like Wim Hof or even this story of this woman. Like those are anomalies. Those are just, that's just one-off miracles, Shay. It's like, no, like this is real. Like we all have access to this. And that's why I say this coronavirus, what they're doing with the media, with the vaccines, everything, it's so much fear. It's so like, dude, like this is, we can heal ourselves. Like it's mental, it's mental. And I'm not saying that there aren't still risks to the body physically, regardless of how freaking enlightened you are and whatnot. But like we created this virus because we collectively, the majority of the population is operating from such a low vibration. Viruses feed off of shame. 
they do. They feed off of shame. I've seen it. You clear the shame and you start to elevate your vibration. Any sort of viral infections will start to go away. They can't sustain. So the coronavirus, I believe, actually needs a host to attach to. That's why I believe it's only killing old people because in general, no offense, not all old people, but in general, a lot of old people, they still have that really old school programming. They're not part of this new world, high vibration, they're high fearing death or having a lot yes, of contemplation. Yeah. So, the, so the virus is attaching, you know, and it's able to really attack. Whereas, um, yeah, I do believe that you can be absolutely immune to illness mm -hmm. when you're operating from such a high vibration and this whole, you know, social distancing, like six feet apart. I mean, there's so many conspiracies going around. I, I encourage people to just I'm not saying I believe all of them, but just right. consider sources outside of the mainstream news because there's definitely some weirdness going on when the government and the, all the major media outlets are saying, you know, basically telling us to live in fear, stay inside, don't talk to anyone, stay six feet apart, wear a mask, yeah. wear, wear gloves. Oh, but they're not going to say anything about what you can do to boost your immune system. Right. Like, why aren't they sharing free tips about go right. get vitamin C? Go out in nature. Nature boosts the immune system so much. We can't even do that. Like, the parks are closed, and it's so stupid. Like, people are just congregating outside the park, even closer to one another now. Like, it doesn't make any logical right. sense. Like, um, so, yeah, in long story short, I think we are starting to remember that we have yeah. the power to heal with our brains. Wim Hof, like, that's not just Wim Hof. He's taught dozens of people now that breathing technique and how to live in a cold climate like this is real this is how powerful we are as humans but we've built a system that benefits the few at the very tippy tippy top of the pyramid yes but that can only work when you have a mass population that feels disempowered and like they can't take care of themselves and they need to be dependent on healthcare, dependent on the education system, which doesn't teach anything about mental health and how to raise your vibration you know all these things so um because it all yeah. gets connected to beliefs, right? Like we're instilled yes. and taught these beliefs. And so once you believe something, just like, you know, you mentioned earlier, all these modalities, right? Like there's so many different ways to find truth. And I think that's the individual unique consciousness that we all have is that we all share this universal consciousness. But within us is such a unique consciousness that only we experience. We find that one truth within so many different things, whether it's crystals or meditation or plant-based medicines or yoga or med, you know what I'm saying? So it's yeah. like, there's so many different paths within this maze that that source is basically saying like, hey, based on this soul and personality and uniqueness, this is the breadcrumb trail that this person needs to essentially follow. Yes. Um, it's just like math, right? There's no one equation to get the answer. And that's I what, love that. I, yeah. I love that. You're right. It's belief. If you're like, believe okay, I'm gonna, okay, I'm gonna try this theta healing, but you don't believe in it, it that's won't right. work. You're, right. You'll block it. Like same, same thing, thing with the placebo pill. You know what I'm saying? So it's like no different than you going in a doctor's office, and then you have you you don't know otherwise, but you believe that that's the cure to whatever you're experiencing, and they just gave that. you a sugar pill, and you're like. You know, it's so, so that belief it's so, system. It's so funny, right? Like the data is like right in front of us. It's just the mass population still doesn't want to see. It's like studies right. have proven that pharmaceuticals, the placebo is just as effective. Like we see it. Like we really do. We right. see it right there. But I think what's really the issue and the underlying problem is that um, it's really painful for people to admit that their life has been a lie. It's really painful to admit that the people in charge, the tippy top of the pyramid, you know, the top of the government, the federal banks, the people that really are controlling the planet and have the most power, they don't give a fuck about us. 
You know, no one wants to admit that, but it's like, look around, you know, 60,000 people die a month from diabetes in this country. Where is the outcry? You know, that's the count. I, I believe now that's the count with coronavirus, which whatever, if those numbers are even accurate, who knows? Who knows but point. it's like, where's the outcry? Like, we don't care about public health. We poison yeah. the food supply so that the, the big corporations like Monsanto can make more money. Like, we don't care. You know, like, we we do not, not we, you and I, and I'm not even saying we like, oh, you got an aunt who's on the local council of your local government. She probably cares about people, but it's a pyramid. And at the tippy tippy top, the 1% who's really controlling everything, they don't care. Yeah. And I think it's just so painful for people to admit that because it triggers this feeling of like, well, what, what the heck? I'm just in this world and I'm unsafe and people aren't good people. No, people are good people. I do believe the majority of the population, it's good people, but we've been brainwashed to believe that, you know, life needs to be X, Y, and Z. You need to be a certain way to be accepted by society. We all split from our true selves in childhood in an effort to survive. Mm -hmm. And that's why you see this world is so toxic. So many people are depressed. So many people are fat. Um, mm -hmm. It really is. It's mass narcissism. It's um, an opportunity for us to finally see what's right in front of us. Like there's studies out there that have shown that the placebo is just as effective. So why, when we get sick, do we say, I need a doctor, I need these meds? And again, I'm not, I'm not trying to shit on all Western medicine. There are benefits to what we have discovered in modern science, especially in emergency case situations. They Definitely. are useful. Please take me to a surgeon if I'm, my guts are hanging out. You know what I'm saying? I don't, right. I don't know if the theta healing will totally fix that. <laughs> but it's like, it's way, way imbalanced. We are so disempowered. We really do. We go outside of ourselves. That's why we're, we're the technology. You know, it's yes. that, you, you said something earlier and, and it kind of alluded to that, but we, we undermine not only what we're a part of our universe, our earth, but we forget that not only are we a part of that, but we are very much the technology and the tool and the asset. So we either can be a parasite or we can be something that actually is benefiting our host, you know, because that is the one thing also you mentioned is it ultimately comes down to control and the control is manifested outwardly instead of inwardly. And, and you're looking at your life like you don't have control of it. So I think so many people, you know, maybe like the powers that be or even your local government or even anybody, your parents, police officers, teachers, whoever that you see are so fixated on control. You know, you walk in a, a an everyday local business and it's so based on control from the top down, right? Because it's like, there's no trust, there's no loyalty, there's no really love and appreciation. So it's really, how can I control this person? And how can I get this person to control this group of people? And how can this group of people learn it? You know what I'm saying? So it's like, yes, it's as so above, so below. So all these small examples that we're seeing, unfortunately, we have these powers or these people that have these powers that are aware of these spiritual teachings and it's almost like Star Wars, right? It's the force. So we're all dealing within the same energy and powers and magic, but it's it's really comes down to how you use it. And so many people use it to their own advantage to say, okay, how can I maybe live forever? How can I you know, make my health the best? How can I spread my bloodline across the world? You know, it's all these narcissist things. Um, that I would really love for you to dive deep into as well, because, you know, I know you've looked into narcissism a lot. I think, you know, that's where control stems from. You know, when you really look at a narcissist that acts <laughs> how they act, you really start to see like this desire for manipulation and control. And, you know, even 
putting myself out there, I, you know, going through these obsessive compulsive states I, that I went through, I got in this phase of like wanting to manipulate everything because I had to control my environment, my conversations, the outcome. And so I would catch myself, you know, manipulating people or conversations or whatever. Right. And I think we're always looking at conversations that way in a sense, but it's our intentions behind that. And so I'd love for you to kind of talk about that and really, um, you know, tell us a little bit about that journey of yourself and, and, and educate some people on, you know, some truth about narcissism. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. So the biggest misconception I tend to see with just um, your average person when you say the word narcissist is they think it's just somebody who's really full of themselves who who likes attention. Mm -hmm. You know, attention and narcissism are not, they don't necessarily coincide. What narcissism really means is an inability to empathize with other human beings, an inability to say, I know when, when, uh, you're hurting. I can see your pain. I know what I'm doing is causing pain, et cetera, et cetera. It's like a, a complete inability to empathize. So don't get so caught up in thinking like everyone who's famous is a narcissist or everyone who likes attention online is a narcissist. That's not necessarily true. You know, just because somebody goes into modeling, for example, let's say you're a model, doesn't mean that you lack empathy for all Mm. human beings. You could be a sweetheart and definitely feel for other human beings and still be a model. So that's like the main misconception I see. Actually, a lot of narcissists don't like attention and they're introverted, you know, and they're more uh, covert behind the scenes. You know, it's it's not always these sort of um, uh, braggadocious Donald Trump type personalities. It is a lot of them, don't get me wrong, but that's not what narcissism is. Narcissism is plain and simple, black and white, and inability to empathize with other human beings. And Mm. sociopathy is a level up from that where you're not only lacking empathy, but like you're like, you're like seeking out people to destroy actively. Like you're like constantly getting off to seeing people in pain. Narcissists will get off to seeing people in pain, but they're more opportunistic about it. It's more Mm. like if you get in my way, I will destroy you. A sociopath is like planning and like actively looking for people to destroy. So it's just narcissism on a, a much sicker level with the sociopathy that those are my definitions. Take it for what it is, but Mm. I've done a lot of research around it. Because I started to see it everywhere. You know, I started to see it everywhere. And this is me and my good friend, Yitz Epstein. He has a podcast about narcissism. It's called Narcissism Recovery Podcast for those of you oh, wow. uh, who want to learn more. Yeah, listen, you can. I was actually just a guest on it this week. <laughs> so um, him and I talk very often about the narcissist epidemic where we don't necessarily believe that everyone is a narcissist because it's a spectrum. And to get high on it, you got to really like not be able to empathize, which is a Uh, a sad place to arrive at. But I do believe that in general, this ties into what I said about so many people creating a false self and splitting in childhood. I do believe in general, we just kind of collectively look the other way and aren't standing up for what's really right, aren't really empathizing, like the food supply. You know, why is there not mass outrage about the food the poison in the food supply or Flint, Michigan, not having water still, you know, these are, this is narcissism. This is people Mm -hmm. just kind of like turning off, like, I'm going to like pretend I don't see it. Like, yeah, Flint doesn't have water, but like not my problem. And that's just the general public, the people at the tippy top of the pyramid. I mean, that is, that's the pure narcissism. Like they're Mm -hmm. profiting off of these things and, and hurting people. But, um, yeah, you know, I would say that it comes from 
being so shamed as a child. As I said, you split. A narcissist is just shamed as a child to such an unhealthy degree that getting getting back to their true self is almost becomes impossible. And um, when you split from your true self, remember you're rejecting everything about yourself because it's too fain- painful to face how shameful you believed that you were as a child. And that's where the lack of empathy comes from because mm-hmm. you, in order to survive, just become fake. Like I can't feel anything. I need to, I need to not feel how shameful I am. And of course it's, it's false. No child is shameful. Every child is beautiful and whole and, you know, divine, but the belief that starts to get formed around, wow, I am so, so shameful. My parents keep shaming me. They keep abusing me. I just must be, I am an awful person. So I can't deal with this because I'm a child and I don't have the capacity. I'm going to split and I'm going to become this false self. And, mm, and, and, and the more extreme, like fragments it's fragmented. Yes. And the more extreme you become, the, the, the less you're going to ever have empathy because empathy is being able to feel your shit. Empathy is being able to, for yourself, be like, wow, I feel really sad. I feel really shameful. Like I'm going to cry and mm. let this out now, you know, well, Jim so, and the cricket on your shoulder. Yeah. So, um, the other point that I was going to make about that is just that, um, we need to start calling people out on it. You know, there's a lot of people living outside of themselves instead of going inward. It's like, you know, I need my boyfriend to come over to make me happy. I need this food fixed to make me happy. I need to smoke weed to make me happy. It's all a rejection of the self. And every time that you do that, every time that you communicate to the universe or, or, or control, you know, the, like I need you to do X, Y, and Z mm-hmm. and being manipulative and whatnot. The mo- every time you're doing that, you're communicating to the universe um, that you don't, you, you're uh, not going to face your child self. Your child self is begging for you to face them and address them. But the inability to sit with yourself because you, <laughs> Christina, she just said preach. <laughs> Yay, I love you. Um, so the inability to sit with yourself is essentially you're just rejecting your childhood self over and over and over again. Every time that you want to run away from yourself, stop. And, and, and for as long as you can, just sit with that discomfort. Just sit with that shame. Just even if you got to like fucking call yourself ugly and be like, oh, like, you know, I hate myself. Like you have got to get through that. You have got to stop denying these parts in yourself that you don't love and that you want to run away from. You begin um, releasing that. You know, yes. I think we start hoarding that energy. It's like a river, right? You start you know, blocking a river is going to get stagnant. That water and that energy is not flowing. It's going to start yes. blocking itself. Yeah, exactly. So, so, you know, to sum up narcissism, it is uh, a disorder. It is a disease and it's happening on a mass level. A lot of people don't see it. It's fairly hidden. It's definitely rewarded in a lot of cases like in business. But um, for those of you who are more spiritual or maybe have different ways of communicating, uh, some people refer will like talk about Satanism or dark energy or low low vibration. That's another one. Low vibration, mm-hmm. dark energy, the evil. You know, like that's to me just all another way to describe narcissism. So keep that in mind as well. If you go down the narcissism rabbit hole and start to read about narcissism, um, it's essentially just a uh, uh, more progressive way to. Uh, define all of the low vibration and toxicity happening in society to break it down in an actual like disorder. And like, you know, this is like NPD, this is what this is. Um, But some people would literally just call it evil, dark, dark Mm -hmm. forces. Yeah. Yeah. I know you've talked a lot about that openly, especially like with your parents, right. And how a lot of that you even mentioned earlier was 
was instilled in you and you had to even tell yourself like, Hey, this may even be a piece of narcissist, you know, my narcissist side expressing itself. So for the people that are listening, that may be dealing with, you know, narcissistic parents or narcissistic thoughts or depression or or any type of, um, internal battle or external battle with someone else with those type of things, what could be like a first step, right? Because I think a lot of people are always like, you know, you can't see the forest because of the tree type of thing because you're staring at this one thing that's going on and your mind's going down the spiral. And sometimes taking that first step is like the hardest thing ever because you don't know which direction to go. There's so many opinions out there. What what was kind of that first step for you, um, especially in the spirituality realm? Because I think it all leads back to that, right? And this is coming from somebody that went way down the rabbit hole of being an atheist. You know, I was born in a mm. Southern Baptist two-stoplight town and like having my obsessive compulsive tendencies, which really is just me, right? It's not an illness. Like I, even my astrology chart tells me that all the time. Like it brings up how obsessive compulsive I can be just based on the astrology and how things are aligned and just because that's who I am. Yeah. Um but like you said earlier, you, you know, we're so fixated on the symptomatic diagnosis of things and like, oh, we've got to label this, we've got to label that. But then that's that just becomes another way to fragment things. Yeah, um, that's true too. Yeah. But but anyway, what I was getting at is coming from that two stoplight Southern Baptist town, that environment that we've talked about. Um, I began asking those questions, right? And I think it's very important for the people listening because I started having my own narcissistic or ego, whatever it was at the time thinking, oh, I knew everything. I was studying philosophy and psychology and there was no God, there was no spirit type of thing. The, the You know, I call my life the pendulum swing because I've seen the extremes from that obsessive compulsiveness, um, the extremes of things. And so going from that one extreme to the next, I, I saw firsthand and, and, and was able to visualize through those lens how those, how these people feel. So what I'm getting at is, you know, what is that first step? Because again, what I was saying is that I think it all ties back into spirituality and source because, you know, we're just represent, we come from what, whatever you want to say, God, higher power. I think that there's this divine almost symphony that we're a part of and we're just these notes and there's these notes and spaces and gaps that are playing this musical orchestra that source has created and then our souls have incarnated through that, you know, that representation. And so we're fortunate enough to be those souls and to carry the, these expressions and archetypes and, and all of those things. But anyway, um, what could, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll start no, going on my I'm, own. No, my no, own you're speaking my here. language. Yeah, it's true. Um, what, what could be those first steps? Cause I remember, you know, being lost and like, I mm -hmm. don't, don't know what to do. What were some of those things that helped you at least take a step in the right direction to self-discovery and healing? Yes. Um, you know, I refused to live for my mother, you know, that, that was step one. This started as a teenage girl, which many teenage girls have turbulent relationships with their mother. That's not uncommon. I believe most parents are narcissistically abusing their children. I mean, <laughs> I get a lot of pushback when I say that, but all you have to do is look at the state of the world. I mean, so many people are depressed on antidepressants, 
living for other people, codependent, not doing the inner work. I mean, would that really be happening if we knew how to parent our children? No. And I'm not saying it's conscious. I'm not saying these parents wake up like, oh, I can't wait to manipulate my kid today and I'm going to do. It's all unconscious. It's just yes. the way they, it's just, it's just the way they were raised. Yes. So with the map of consciousness, which is an uh, invention from David Hawkins, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. You could Google uh, David Hawkins map of consciousness. He breaks down all human vibrations going all the way from the lowest human vibration, which is shame, which you'll be, you know, of the most toxic breed, the more lower you are on the chart, all the way up to the highest, which is, you know, love and enlightenment, pure acceptance for all that is. Um, 85% of the world population is actually operating below the level 200, which is, I believe 200 is like pride, which is still not great. So like That's if you engage- tied into a frequency or vibration, correct? Yes, exactly. So everyone is operating with like pride or beneath it, which when you go beneath it, it's a lot of like fear, um, uh, thing that things that will, uh, manifest these different disorders, like anxiety, depression, um, manipulation, et cetera. So when you just look at the data of, okay, 85% of people are below the level 200, where do you really think your family is? And I get a lot of pushback for this, but there, there is an 85% chance that your family is really toxic and bad for you. And Ooh. we we have a blind spot for the bloodline we come from, which I totally understand. That's natural. We all want the perfect mom and dad, the white picket fence, the beautiful family. The reality is there's an 85% chance that your family is dragging you down. And it's easier to recognize in friends, right? It's easier to mm. say, that friend was so manipulative. She was so toxic. I cut her out. But, oh, I'm going to a barbecue on Sunday because it's my mom. You know, you need to find people that are above the level 200. You need to start cr- cultivating a group of people that are more closer to the level of enlightenment because that's going to help raise your vibration. That's how you're going to yes. grow. You yes. are who you surround yourself with. So I get a lot of pushback from people when I say, honestly, I think the best thing for you would be to cut out your family. And and it's there's an 85% chance that your family is operating at a low vibration. And the more you surround yourself with them, the more you're just going to keep yourself there. It's and, so weird you brought that up. Yeah. What are, you, what are your thoughts on that? Well, because I, I was just back home the other day and, you know. At your me, folks' house? Mm-hmm. And me and my mom. At the Baptist crib? Yeah. Pine <laughs> tops. Two stoplights, baby. Uh, <laughs> I love it. I love that accent, man. Love uh, this guy's accent. So uh, sexy. Yes. It used to be a lot worse. And then you <laughs> oh, should hear the people that's where I'm from. It, I had yeah. to find out. Yeah. There, there had to be a balance. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to get zero jobs. <laughs> well, I'm from yeah. North Carolina. Yeah. <laughs> so I was just at home the other day and man, me and my mom got into like this huge argument. And so mm. what's the double-edged sword here is that like, she's the whole reason why I got, well, let me take that back. Cause you can't, she was a huge piece to why I got to where I am today. Um, you know, cause something in her, cause she's not some holistic whatever. Right. She, you know, when they prescribe me that made her religious, like she followed the no, Baptist, no, like, not no, super, okay. like my parents don't go to church or anything like that. I mean, they believe in the traditional Christian God, but it was never extreme. Right. I never was okay. forced to have it. But my, my yeah. community in the sense that like was, that was the environment that was really impactful, super, um, nar- uh, racist, super like narrow minded, very like shaming. They yes. shame people. Yeah. Yes. Shaming. Um, 
So I got in a lot of trouble for asking questions. But the thing about my mom is, is that she, you know, when they gave me that medication at Duke and almost gave me a heart attack and killed me, like something in her. When was, you were seven, right? That I was, was five. Yeah, oh, I was five. five right? Yeah. Okay. And so they were ready to institutionalize me because I was licking carpet floors. I was holding knives up to my chest, washing my hands so they would bleed like crazy mm. things. But something in her basically went the opposite route of medication. We found a psychologist, et cetera. And like, she was like my backbone, right? Like she helped me through everything. She taught me my, you know, I'm not my thoughts. She'd never let me live through my diagnosis. I never like, you know, even the, if I needed extra time on tests and stuff, it was only like last resource. Like I played sport, like oh, good, everything good. appeared normal on the yeah. outside. The flip side to that is what you just mentioned is that now, especially with this journey I've been on, like her and I just don't get along. And it's like, it's like, cause I love my mom, but she's so, it, it becomes so toxic because everything that gets said or reflected back to me, like it's, you know, if I try to say something about health or if I try to say something about, um, you know, helping other people in a way, or, or if she may see my videos or posts sometimes, you know, it all comes back negative just because she refuses almost to, to, to face her own internal dialogue and patterns. And like that, yeah, she gets so upset at me when I bring these things up. It's like, you know, I I can't talk about it because in her eyes, it's like, I'm bringing her down or pointing the finger. I was like, look, this this is no fault to your own. Like I'm even as a new father, I'm, there's going to be things I'm going to be guilty of, but you know, it's our responsibility to better that. But point being is that like it's gotten to the point where it's like it brings me down so much almost bring around her and like she's a great person but she's just she's so depressed and so down herself because she gave up her whole entire life you know and became a stay-at-home mom because my quote-unquote disorder was so bad um you know and that's that was her choice and then now like she's having to work these half-assed jobs which brings her down even more you know living paycheck to paycheck and then almost kind of like projects those things on me because I've constantly thought like, oh, is this a reflection? Like, am I doing something wrong? Because like, I'm the first to try to like apologize or like try to come to, especially like you said, with people you love, like, you know, like, hey, let's just chalk this up. Like, I'm yeah. sorry for what I but did. But it's I'm, family, you know. Right. But you have it, to. They're your family. Even with, I just went through this with a friend yeah. too, who I've held on to for so long. And then, you know, a black guy and we kind of got into this heated thing and, you know, it became down to race. And like, it's just, it's Uh-oh. been this. You, yeah, you being racist this, again, Lee? Oh, yeah. Every day. <laughs> and that's, yeah. you know, that's the thing that hurts you because you, you feel as if these people know you. Um, but then when it gets down to these deeper rooted emotions and feelings and these patterns, like you said, like this, you even look at it from a statistical perspective, it's like it's, it's bound to happen. So I, I just think it's funny that you mentioned that and I don't want to harp on it too much, but yeah, it's, it, it, it's something that like hit me really hard recently because it's like, I almost, you know, bringing myself down by telling myself things like, am I like, cause she always said, you only think about yourself and did it, you know, all these negative things. Not true. You should think about yourself. Yeah. That's her, that's her parents. Her parents set her up for the programming of mm-hmm. it's if I t- take care of myself first, I'm shameful and that's bad. I need to care for everyone else. So what happens when those people take on their parents' belief, then with their kid, when they see their kid taking care of themselves, it's a vehement rejection and it's bitterness because like, mm-hmm. well, I could never do that. It's your turn now to, mm-hmm. to for me to live through you. And that's exactly what happened with my mom. You know, it was like she hates her mom. And her mom's like 80 and she's still doing everything under the sun for her mom, complaining about her mom, but still doing it, still doing it. When she saw that I was not willing to go down that path, it was, she, yeah, she said, uh, 
you this is what she said to me one time she said that i was the most selfish person in the world she my mother said that yeah. to me i was taking care of myself i was putting my needs first and i'll tell you what happens with people like your mom and my mom is when they were a child and when they were shamed. And also, I, I want to just real quick touch on, I don't want to go down this tangent too much because this is a whole other podcast, but there's something called there's something called repressed memories, which mm-hmm. Lee, you and I yes. have talked about offline with my own trauma as a child. But children have the ability to literally repress memories. I'm not talking about forget. I'm not talking about as an adult, like you suppress things. You're like, oh, I was like, uh, you know, I, I slept with that guy. I regret it. So I'm like, I'm going to kind of like pretend it didn't happen. That's not the same as repressing. Repressing is like gone from your psyche. Like you have no idea this happened until you do the inner work and are able to access it later, which is what happened with me. And so when you're shamed as a child, when your mother, my mother were shamed as children, inevitably by their parents, they actually a deep, deep part of themselves, which is probably repressed because they're not accessing the memories they don't really know the focal mm-hmm. point of when this shame was induced when they split from them from the false self but deep deep inside them somewhere is a victim who feels so wronged for the way that they were treated and they never got justice i didn't mm-hmm. you know you never got justice and i'm not saying that they're conscious of it but they go into their adult life with this victim mentality mm-hmm. which is why they still manifest shitty jobs which is why they still can't they they live paycheck to paycheck and can't pay the bills you know it's actually them wanting to stay a victim because the, a deep, deep part of them inside is screaming to get in touch with that childhood self to access the memories so they can finally dismantle it because no one ever said, yo, you know, you were wronged as a child and I am so sorry. Like that was not supposed to happen to you. Here's your validation. Mm-hmm. So when you're never given that validation, and you're unconscious of it, which is exactly what happened to me. I was just like walking victim mentality. I couldn't take responsibility for anything. I couldn't, and I couldn't understand why. It wasn't until I, I did a lot of work on myself, and this was actually plant medicines, where I accessed the childhood repressed memories. I was like, this is why I feel like such a victim. I am a victim. I like it's like, yes, I got it. And then for a moment, I'm like, mm-hmm. wow, I can breathe. But here's the kicker. Nobody is, I mean, if you're lucky, you can, you know, get the person who harmed you to repent, but that's unlikely. So it's got to be you to do it. It's got to be you to do it to your childhood self to say, oh my God, little Shay, I am so sorry for what you went through as a child. That was wrong. You were a victim and finally validate it so that as an adult, you're not constantly creating and manifesting situations in which you get to be a victim again mm-hmm. because all you're doing is trying to get to this child self. You're trying, it's like you don't know, but that's what's really going on. You're trying to tap into that and it's happening on a subconscious level. Which I think we have to do. You yes, know? we do. We have to yeah. do. And for anyone out there who thinks, you know, I can't locate the source of my wounds. I feel like, you know, something might have happened because because I was in therapy for years. Talk therapy. It didn't do mm-hmm. shit like like no like no disrespect to therapists level, out right? there. They're, yeah, it did not do jack shit because I couldn't remember my childhood. And I see this all the time with these personal development programs, these things. People will be screaming at them, you know, like, when was the first time you felt small? When was the first time you felt wrong? You know, that can work and you can get to deeper levels of like, oh my God, I suddenly remembered I was bullied on the playground as a kid. Like that can work. But plant medicine, specifically ayahuasca, which was the modality I tried, that will blow that shit out of you. If you're willing to see it, if you're ready and in the place of receiving whatever childhood abuse you may have repressed because it was mm-hmm. way too traumatic and cha- and painful to deal with, 
I definitely recommend, you know, seeking out a trained uh, shaman and doing plant medicines in a therapeutic setting because for a lot of people, they can't really begin to heal or understand even why they are toxic in the way they yeah. are until they locate the source of, oh my God, this is what happened to me as a kid and I completely forgot it. Okay, now we can start to dismantle it. Yeah, that's what psilocybin was for me. And, you know, I think it's important yeah. to point out too, because, you know, even with me with like an addictive personality, like, like these are just tools as well. Like there's a lot of work that has to be done beforehand that gets you to that point where, like you said, like if you're really willing to to dive into it, it it will show you a thousand and one percent. But there's a yes, <laughs> it's gonna you come have hard to be, and heavy you have and to, fast. And like, yeah, and and you have to be willing. That's yes. the thing. Like you have to surrender. You can do mushrooms, and this is what I believe is like why people why there's even that term out there a bad trip. A bad mm, trip mm. is you not surrendering to the medicine. You're yep. like, your ego's in the way. You're like, oh, this is, fu- I don't want to see this. I don't want to face my shame. I don't want to, if you can do them, and I definitely recommend doing it with a shaman, um, but if you can surrender and be fully open and receiving to what they want to show you, that's when you'll start to see the truth and really access levels of healing that are beyond this planet, beyond any years of talk therapy, been there, done that. It's but crazy, um, right? that you gotta, you gotta be able to, yeah. You got to be able to receive it. I'm not saying that just because anyone does plant medicines, they'll remember repressed things from their childhood. That's not necessarily true. You got to be willing to receive it first, and then the medicine will be the catalyst for opening that door. Um, so I'm really, really grateful for my experience with the ayahuasca. I did it over a year ago now. It's completely changed my life. I mean, it, it's definitely what led to the breakup. Yeah. It's what led to me starting my own business, making more money, um, just honoring myself, loving myself, like... I look different, like straight up. My face looks different mm-hmm. from a year ago. I look younger. I'm reverse aging myself now because of all the healing work that I've been doing. It was like for 26 years, I was just pounding a bunch of low vibrations, energies into myself, you know, drugs, partying, negative self-talk, narcissistic boyfriends. I was pounding that into me. That ages you. Now, a, since a year ago, since my healing really accelerated, it's like reverse aging and mm-hmm. I'm able to uh, mentally also get back to that pure baby. Like you mentioned that pure mm-hmm. childlike consciousness, which is yeah. really beautiful. And you could see that, you know, you see the light starting to shine through, you know, in your being, in your, in your everyday life. And that's something you and I talked a lot <laughs> about too. Like, and even you mentioned earlier, these, you look like you got black in you. He said, that's hilarious. That is not true at all. Who, uh, you or me? Yeah. You, or, or maybe you actually of someone who has said that for me. Oh, the, the video ended. Yeah, oh, we were just getting off. to the good. We were just getting to the good part where people were for whatever reason. People were just starting to say that I didn't look like a white girl. <laughs> Let's get back to that. <laughs> that's what's uh, that's what's crazy about all this too is that you know you you know I've talked about it and like you alluded to earlier, just these different you know whatever it may be, weed, food, sex. And right. all these addictions, right? Other people. And we've talked about that too with the with the sexual component. Like that's something oh, I've really yeah. been thinking a lot and about. You're a too. Scorpio, so you know you're a, <laughs> a, a, a hound dog. <laughs> yeah, that, and that was like my my void. You know, that was my way of not feeling alone and being able to feel space and and By having and sex. Time. Yes, and just yeah, like yeah, having too. that company and knowing it could come and go, and then that manipulation. But then the deeper point I think to that is is that when we start to realize uh, that energy transfer that gets built up in us and that it takes time because I, I'm, I'm not a very patient person. I've been working on my patience a lot. 
But like you and I say, you and I both maybe started a couple years ago, maybe a year ago, hardcore. Um, and we got to think about all the years that we're undoing because that was a big thing for me is like not only my own energy that I've been a part of, but the energy from your family, from the sh- partners you've shared, you know, intercourse with, from the yeah. friends you've been around, all that's kind of like, like tartar, you know, build up that you've got to sit there and like break down and like release, yes, release, release, break down, release. Break it's a constant release. Yeah. Um, and and that's you and I have a special connection too, because we're four days apart. Uh, like we're literally on the same, like the timing of it with our age. We're because we're, uh, cause, yeah, that's, yeah. That's right. I'm four days older than you, I think. Yeah. You're October 23rd, right? Yeah, you're, you're part of the old crowd. You you bash a lot and talk bad about your old. What? What? No, 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 no. <laughs> Somebody's going to send you some hate mail. I'm like, you can't. I don't, I don't believe in none of that either, man. I don't believe in none of that. I don't believe in, oh, I'm going to be 28 this year. I'm getting old. Fuck that. You are so mm-hmm. young. People need to stop saying that about themselves. You will not catch me saying, oh, I'm getting old. You, you yeah, you will, you will not. You will never catch me saying, oh, I'm getting old until I'm like at least in my 50s. Why the fuck would I ruin this beautiful present moment of being young you know like i get it you're older than you were so it feels old you feel like oh my gosh like i'm already almost 30 but it's 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 a waste of time and i see the same thing with women especially women my age shaming their own bodies oh i just have this little chub here i had this i'm like you realize you're only gonna get like that shit is only gonna get saggier right (laughs) why would i why would i waste any time in my 20s my 30s my 40s being like oh shit i got a little bit of cellulite on my ass what the mm-hmm. fuck? You know, I'm going to be saggy and 90. I'll do it then. You know, yeah. that's it's a complete waste of time. And I see so many women in their 50s saying that. They say, I wish I would have appreciated my body when I was younger. I looked great and I constantly felt like I didn't look good enough. As a man, I struggled with, with that. Like I was, And men. Yeah, men too. Yeah. yeah. I I mean, I was competing. I was like in immaculate shape and like I still refused to like take my shirt off. And even to this day what? now that I've... Yeah, I'm I'm still the same. Like I'm still, I'm still battling with because I'm trying to get my physical part back right. But it's something that like I've always been ashamed of. Like I don't know. It's 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 something that I'm still kind of like working through. Is that whole body body thing? Because I don't feel like this spacesuit fits me. Sometimes like I just feel like you know like I I don't know. I, I don't feel like it's always the best representation of you, me. You're pretty thing. good to me. Wow. You got some muscle there. You got some thick arms. It. Yeah, well, see, is that like, fat or muscle under there, Lee? It's both. I'm rocking the dad bod. Yeah, the dad bod. What's yeah? I <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Because, <laughs> like, again, that extreme, right? When I was so fixated on the physical, I got mixed into the testosterone, and like, dude, I was, I was huge and like muscular, mm-hmm. and like, but, but still, in my own mind, what I was perceiving is that you're fat, you know, you're out of shape, all these things that I'm believing and telling myself, and that's what's really important is what we do tell ourselves because like 90, 95% of what we think every day is what we thought yesterday. So when we're starting to tell ourselves that. these same yeah. things over and over and over, cause I, I, that's something I've really been consciously focusing on is like, I'll catch myself, like telling myself something. I'm like, wait, like, dude, like love that. And Keep catching of, it. Keep yes. catch- I do the snaps. I do this. I do the two snaps. Anytime. Like I see a programming where I start to get like, um, shameful of myself. Like, oh, that wasn't good enough, Shay, or like knocking myself, like I didn't work hard enough. Like I'll call it out and I'll snap twice and I'll like do a little bit of theta actually on it. I'll just be mm. like, you know, remove that pro- programming, remove that programming. But it has to, you have to be very conscious, which most people aren't. You have to at first start to like see it 
but you're right. Like that's how you get rid of it. You just address your own mm-hmm. negative self-talk. Yeah. Cause there's a lot of avoidance to it. But then when you, cause it's, it really comes down to like, as cliche as it sounds is like knowing yourself is like, cause so often we not only lie to others, but we lie to ourselves. And so we create these false realities around us and even back to the whole sex thing, right? That's what I would do. I would create different versions of me with, with each person. Mm. And I had so much cognitive dissonance because like for the, basically my entire life, maybe up until about two years ago, I didn't know who Lee was. I didn't know what I was interested in. I didn't know what I was passionate about. I didn't know what I enjoyed. I only knew what filled the moments and then kind of what I just drifted with, with like friends and acquaintances and things like that. But I never really knew like, you know, what that passion was. And so, you know, even now I'm kind of paying for that because even based on like my astrology, my whole purpose in this incarnation is to align myself with my sacred work. And so that even, you know, I love that. <laughs> it, it, I it love explains that. why I'm going through what I'm going through now. Have you it, done, have you done your North node? Do you know what your North node is? No, I haven't. All right. I'll send you some stuff later on that. Okay. What would, um, what would you kind of leave folks with as far as like, you know, cause I know we've unloaded a, a, a bunch of different things and I'm sure this conversation could go on for a few hours, but yeah, it could definitely could for the sake of time I'll call you later. Lee. Yeah. We need to <laughs> continue this flow. You got to come to Miami. Well, you when this is all over. We'll do a, we'll do an event. I didn't want to invite myself, event. but you know, oh, I'll invite you. When... <laughs> what day? Oh, uh, we'll see. Well, hey, you know, I'm getting, tickets are I'm, cheap now. I, I, that's a good I'm getting a house. I'm getting a big, big house on the beach. I move in July. It's like a 4,000 okay. square foot house. It's fucking epic. I wow. love it. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's across the street from the ocean. I'm so wow. pumped. Look at you. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to have a lot more space for guests and healing events. I think that'd be workshops. a good thing to touch on. Like, what is your thoughts on, on manifestation? Um, Ooh, I think that's I something that. probably people are sitting here thinking about and something I consciously think about because- you know, I I don't think it's instant, you know, and, 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 and part of it ties into that theta, like you were talking about. And I've really been looking into like, you know, the, the, the meditation, a lot of people say it's that the moment in between the thought, right? Like, like I was saying with the free, with the uh, symphony earlier. And like, that's the thing with music is music is the pauses in between those notes. It's not necessarily mm, the beat. The silence the, is the loudest part of yes, the song. Same yeah. thing with public speaking, right? Like, and that's why I love words and poetry and like dialogue and podcasts because you can sit there and and play with <laughs> with yes. words. You know, you can pause, you can slow down, you can get further from the mic, you can do all these things um, that are really intriguing to me. And if anything, that's what I I do really enjoy. I, lo- I love communication. So, what what would your thoughts be? Um, on manifestation based on your journey. I think that would be a good little last kicker for people to really think on. And based on your experiences, how would you interpret that? And how have you seen manifestation show up in your life? Yeah, thank you. I think that's a perfect question to end on because I am a really powerful manifester. I have always been that way ever since I was a little girl. Mm -hmm. So this is the distinction with manifestation that often people don't realize So as a little girl, I always daydreamed about being famous, about being an entertainer and about being significant, being, you know, like a person of influence. (laughs) I didn't know the term influencer as a small child, but that's essentially what I was manifesting for myself. I would write plays. I was, uh, you know, just always dreaming about that, about like, this is going to be my life. I just, I just knew it on a core level as a small child. Now the issue 
lies in your underlying beliefs about yourself deeply though. So even though I was actively doing work for years in my upbringing to say, no, I know I will be famous. I know I will be significant. I know that people will adore me. I also had an underlying programming that had been being built for my whole childhood that um, I was I was helpless because of the abuse I endured as a child, which I have not opened up about fully yet. But I had an underlying belief that I was helpless and that I needed other people, that I was completely powerless and um, I couldn't do things on my own. So I actually manifested all of the things I dreamed about, about the significance through my LinkedIn blog. And even years prior to that, you know, I was a musician, I was doing okay. But the thing is, is I could never really break through that threshold of ultimate freedom and ultimate manifestation because I felt helpless and I felt codependent on others. Mm. So I, I manifested this blog and, you know, this following, but I had a boyfriend that I was living with who uh, abused me, you know, and hated me and treated me horribly because I believed that I needed him. So you're gonna you're gonna manifest whatever is the underlying cause in addition. So for anyone listening who's like, oh, I'm gonna start, you know, like I'm gonna start working on a Ferrari. I want to manifest a Ferrari. I'm gonna think about it every day. I'm gonna feel worthy of the Ferrari. I'm gonna picture myself sitting in the Ferrari. But if you have an underlying belief also that you haven't dealt with an underlying belief that you're not worthy of good things that hasn't been cleared yet before you mm. do that Ferrari work, you can actually manifest the Ferrari, but guess what? You're going to get into a, a serious car accident a week later and, and sabotage it for yourself because you didn't clear the underlying belief. Mm. So work on the core beliefs, you know, work on what's really, really beneath the surface for a lot of people. It's just simply the classic I don't feel good enough. You know, I don't feel good enough as I am. Therefore, I split from self, the whole narcissism, rabbit hole, yada, yada, everything we went into earlier. So, um, but for those of you who feel like, you know, you're in the place of accepting and receiving, you're loving on yourself, you've built up a good self-esteem, you've done a lot of work addressing your childhood wounds, you face your own shame. Yeah, absolutely. Whatever the fuck you want in this world, you can have it. All you have to do is ask. And this is is a theta healing as well. You know, cure my cancer. You know, that's manifesting. So I just journal a lot. I write down actively, you know, where do I see myself by age 30? Where do I see myself by 35? Where do I see myself by 40? And I'm constantly practicing the feeling of what that's like. So, you know, this house on the beach, for example, like I manifested that. I um is the power in the repetition, you think? Just that consistency. It's in the repetition, but it's also in like feeling and believing you deserve it. So instead of like, oh, I can't wait until I have $100,000 in my bank account, just practice. I have $100,000 in my bank account. I feel like I have $100,000 in my bank account. And like you already feel it. You're already embodying it. I have right here on my... I, so these are my morning affirmations that I read every morning before I open my laptop. I have on there straight up, I am a billionaire. Now I will let you know for those listening, I am not a billionaire yet, but that's the point is I'm practicing, I'm like practicing the energy of what would it feel like to be a billionaire? And I say out loud every morning, I am a billionaire. Mm-hmm. I'm not yet, but it's like, I'm getting myself into that energy. And so embodying that energy, carrying Embodying that it. Yes. I know a woman who, um, her name's Christina Starr. She's a phenomenal healer, very spiritual woman. And she has no home base. She has no address. She lives and travels the world, putting on these women retreats, doing ceremonies. Mm. She said her mantra is that like her life is like a living, moving festival ceremony. That's awesome. Healing. Yeah. 
And she, uh, when you ask her, like, how do you never pay rent and you just bounce from location to location, putting on these events, but you never, you, you, you don't have a house. You're constantly finding these amazing conscious people to shack up with for weeks at a time as you put on your events and you don't even pay them rent. How do you do it? She said, I just attune myself with the vibration of the house. I walk into the house and I just feel as though I live here. I live here. And she's like, I do that enough. And the person who lives there just, Hey, you know, Christina, do you, do you just want to like stay here for a few weeks? We have an extra room. That's totally wow. fine. We're loving your company. She's done it dozens of times. The she same never... Christina that was on earlier on the... No, that's a different, different Christina. Okay. That's, that's my friend who I wanted you to meet. This woman is more of a healer I got introduced to just that's recently. Cool. But yeah, so... um. Yeah, I can send you all the links that we reference throughout this if you want to drop them in in the comments. But to sum up, you know, just ask. You don't ask, you don't get, and really believing that you are worthy of it. And if anything starts to creep in where you're like, whoa, I have a feeling of shame that like I'm not worthy of this, work on that. You know, go beneath. Don't don't be hard on yourself, like, oh, I'll never get it. I don't feel worthy of it. Just start to really dig in that. Okay, why don't I feel worthy? How did my parents really treat me as a kid? How how did I feel as a child? Can I reconnect with my child self and give them that love, mm-hmm. attention, and validation that they never got, that they're maybe still asking you to go back and resolve? Yeah, that's a that's the tipping point I'm at right now is that uh, cause I never like asking for things cause I always felt like a nuisance from being called question mark and obsessed and being obsessive and just, I'd never want to bother people. Mm. Um, that's uh-huh. the tipping point I'm at right now is that because I'm, I've addressed these beliefs, I'm starting to remove these beliefs. I'm starting to add new beliefs. I'm Good. starting to know my worth, know myself. And then even, you know, my tarot card, the other, or you know, my Oracle card the other day was, it basically was the one that, that was saying, ask for things. Because I don't, I don't typically ask because it, it, it even ties into that, like almost not worthiness. And I'm still going within on that because I still got to like figure out why I'm and I'm starting to. I think this past visit home really showed me a lot of, as to why, um, you know, and it, 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 it comes from growing up in a family, too, with the whole, you know, money doesn't grow on trees and da, 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 da. Ah, yes. Yeah. So, you know, you start seeing those things and, you know, even being around my parents where they're still you know, talking about bills and money and, you know, just blocking all that out. But I think that was a really good way of explaining that. Um, and it, I was able to even tie it in for myself, you know, and mm, again, I, heck, that's why I like podcasts, right? It gives you an excuse to talk to people. I love, and I love your podcast, man. Like, I'm so proud of you just in the short time I've known you. I've seen so much growth. I appreciate I'm really it. proud of you for posting about mental health and going with your gut on what's important in this world right now, what needs to be said, not being afraid, you know, having faith in the universe that like, I can talk about these deep topics and and the universe will reward me, you know, abundance. Mm-hmm. So I do yeah, have to that, get going, but um, I I, yeah, I have to get going. I have another call in a few minutes, but I just want to say thank you so much for having me on your show. It really is an honor to be your friend and to be a witness to your own healing. And I really look forward to the day that we get to also connect. You too, face Shay. To this has person. been great. Yeah. Where can people yeah. find you at to uh, yes, leave it um, off? Sure. Yeah. Definitely follow me on LinkedIn. That's where all my content goes out first. We didn't really touch on it on this call, but I do have a marketing company where I help businesses market on LinkedIn. So check out linkedin.com slash in slash Shea Robottom for all of my content and business updates there. And any social media platform, it's basically the same, just facebook.com slash Shea Robottom, Instagram slash Shea Robottom, YouTube, et cetera, et cetera. TikTok at Shea Robottom. Um, and if you want to learn more about my business specifically, you can always visit my website, shayrobottom.com, and there's a form there to fill out to set up a call.
Well, this has been magic. I really enjoyed I the conversation. I love you. I was this so excited great. when I woke up this morning. I was like, yes, yeah. I get to be on Lee's show today. Yeah. Well, I'm looking <laughs> Thank you for having it. me. And we got to yeah. pick this up. All right. Sounds good, my love. Thank you. See you, Shay. Bye.